have a little different message this afternoon. We're going to basically have a Bible college session. So um, get out your notes and get, get a notebooks and get ready to take some notes. If, see if I can find mine in here. This message started out with three sections to it. By the time section one finished, decided that was already going to be a long enough sermon, and so you'll get sections two and three in the future, Lord willing. When you first meet someone, it can be kind of awkward. Um, you get married, you get into a new family. Um, you, if you're like me, you get into a family of all girls, and you get to show them what it's like to have a brother, and you just got to be a little weird and a little extra gross at the beginning to get all the girls comfortable with having guys around now. Um, you go to a new church, you get to know the people and the personalities, and then you're up preaching, and you're not sure whether to pronounce something humble or humble, um, because you know who's out there listening, and you know how they like it pronounced, because, of course, they're thinking it correctly, but um, you get to know people, and I'm making fun of joy, in case anybody wondered. Um, but you, once you get to know people, you're more comfortable with them, obviously, but um, one of the first things we need to do when we see someone, as you get to know them, you find out their name. And often Christians, when we get saved, there's a very important person that comes into our lives that we often don't know a lot about, and that is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk today about the names and titles of the Spirit as we find them in scriptures. And I am not promising that I've covered all of them. There are more than I have found in any textbook uh, that teaches on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Um, there was one of them, and there were 13. And I got through going through the 13 that were listed in that college textbook, and um, they hadn't even put the Holy Spirit as one of his names. So I'm like, wow, I think we missed an important one there. So um, anyway, it's funny when you're like, if you're looking for 13 of something. But anyway, I'm not promising that these are the only ones in the Bible. Um, but this gets us a good start. But I'm going to put a little sticker up here. And I tried to find some of these on the way to church, but um, the store I went into didn't have them. I was going to pass out, hello, my name is stickers to everyone. And then encourage you to write down on that sticker the name of the Holy Spirit that ministers to you the most as we look tonight. So you maybe it's a name you're not that familiar with. Maybe it's new to you. You've just not noticed it before. Um, but to really think about that, um, we, I, I think about times where somebody's really troubled, I pray for the Prince of Peace to rule in their heart, for the Holy Spirit to bring them peace and comfort at the time. And so there are specific times where specific names of Jesus, specific names of the Holy Spirit can really just the name itself minister to us. So tonight, let's jump in. First of all, the first name as we find it in the scriptures, Genesis 1 and verse 2. Now, anyone who wants to deny that the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is important needs to recognize that it is mentioned in verse 2 of the Bible, not verse 2 of the New Testament. Verse 2 of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is brought up, and here he's referred to as the Spirit of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The Spirit of God. If you flip back to 1 Corinthians, 
chapter 3. Be ready to turn a lot. We're going to go to a lot of verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. We read, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, talking about our bodies belonging to God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So I think it's interesting. The first time he's referred to as the Spirit of God is about creation. And when he makes us a new creature in Christ Jesus, when we get saved, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in each believer. So the first name we find it in the Bible is the Spirit of God. Now the second, um, and, and this one refers directly to the first one, but it's a different wording. So let's look at this, Psalm 104. And verse number 30, Psalm 104 and verse number 30. And it's interesting, the connection to Genesis 1-1, Psalm 104, verse number 30. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. So I suppose if you wanted to say um, you're looking for the creator name of the Holy Spirit, the creator name of God is Elohim. In the beginning, God, Elohim, which is actually a plural name um, that indicates three or more parts. And of course, we know that's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And specifically, the name Spirit of God, Spirit of Elohim, he's our creator. But thy spirit, again, here we have the connection to um, creation. Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 4, we find two names of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 4 and verse 4, and let's begin, um, let's look at verse 2. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and um, comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even everyone that is written among the living in Israel. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof. So this is, there's going to be a day coming where God is going to purge his people Israel. And how does he do it? By the spirit of judgment. There is the first one here, the spirit of judgment. And secondly, the spirit of burning. And I put them backwards up here on the list. But the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning. So we see the Holy Spirit's involvement in creation, the Holy Spirit's involvement in cleansing. What is the purpose of this, what he calls burning? What is the purpose of this judgment? It gives me the idea of gold being refined. It has to be put to heat. It has to be melted. There has to be fire. There has to be burning in order for it to be purified. And he said, God's people, Israel, will be purified by what? The spirit of judgment, the spirit of burning. Isaiah chapter 11 is another passage that gives us a list of names. He's talking about Jesus coming, and I really think by the context here, we're looking at the second coming of Jesus when he comes and sets up his kingdom and rules and reigns from Jerusalem, uh, what we call, as, what we speak to as the 
a millennial reign of Christ. Because in verse 11, he says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So the Spirit of the Lord. And then look at what he describes the Spirit of the Lord to be. So let's look at this list here. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now look at the picture, the way he words it here. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Does that make you think of any Bible story in the life of Christ? Did something come down on him? It was the dove. When did that happen? At his baptism. And who was the dove? That was the Holy Spirit, and that was going to be part two of this message, is the symbols in the um, scriptures, Old and New Testament, that represented the Holy Spirit. One of those being, and I think one of the most important, being the dove there as it came and rested on Jesus. So here he describes exactly who the Spirit is, and these things could be said of his first coming. And as we keep reading here, we see in verse 3, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity of the meek of the earth. So we see the relationship here between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He's not going to make any judgment without the Holy Spirit. Why? They are, they're one, they're unified. That's one of the That's part three. (laughs) Um, One of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit or attributes of the Holy Spirit is his equality with the Son. And um, they are one. They are a team in this. And so here, as Jesus is going to make decisions, even in his first coming, you can see these things were present in him. Wisdom and understanding. Counsel and might. Knowledge and fear of the Lord. Yes, sir. Anyone here who could help in the nursery? You can see him in the back. Thank you, ma'am. So you see what I was saying at the beginning about some of specific names of the Holy Spirit being a specific blessing and need for us at the time. If Jesus himself needed the spirit of wisdom and understanding. How much more do we need it? I am not God in the flesh. I need the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So there are times when praying, Lord, open my eyes, help me understand your word. I need to get real specific. Lord, you are the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Reveal yourself to me. Counsel and might spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So in verse number three here, he makes it very clear um, that Jesus was not going to make judgment. He will not make judgment based upon how things appear. You ever make decisions on how things look? You know, oh man, parents, we can get in so much trouble giving out discipline based on how something appears to us. Um, And then there is by hearing Somebody gives us a report, we just jump to a conclusion, we believe it, 
And um, there was some old philosopher back many, many years ago that stated, he said, the reason why we have two ears and one mouth is because we need to listen twice as much as we speak. Um, but for us to be able to have the right ears to hear, um, we need the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Let's keep going. Matthew chapter 10, as we get to the New Testament, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's preparing them for persecution that is ahead. And in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 18, and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. And it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. Well, how's it going to be given? For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. We need the Spirit of our Father. I would hear things about the Holy Spirit when I was growing up, and it honestly scared me a little bit, made me doubt my salvation a little bit, because I'm like, oh, I've never heard him talk to me. I've never... I don't know what they're talking about, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned in the last message on the filling of the Spirit, that whole idea scared me to death. And so I didn't really understand until I suppose one of the first times I started recognizing that I had the Holy Spirit living in me and he was directing me was I was at a Bible club and I was teaching a child who was struggling with accepting the fact that Jesus had saved them because they knew they were just such terrible sinners. And the day before, a couple days before, they had prayed to receive Christ, and they had sinned since then. So they thought, I need to get saved again, because I didn't stick the first time. And I'm sitting there on the ground with the child, and I'm just trying to help them understand the concept. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the verse we were taught at Smite to give to children about eternal security. That verse was not helping this child. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit brought a verse to my mind I had never memorized, but I had read it like the week before. Um, he said, the Father holds me in, um, how did Jesus say it? He said, um, I hold you in my hand, my Father holds you in his hand, and he's greater than I. And Anyway, the point being, I hold you in my hand. There's this Bible verse in John chapter 10, and I picked up a stick. I said, this is you. And the whole thing, a hand in the, I've done that here. The, here it was the Lego man in the hand. Um, that all came squatting down on the dirty ground in a Bible club when all of a sudden this verse comes to mind. I'd never memorized. But all of a sudden this verse is in my mind because it was what that child needed. And that's when I realized, oh, this is what it's like to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, I remember Jesus saying, that he would tell you things you needed. Now, he was talking about specifically in the context here when they were brought before judges, when they were brought before kings, because they're going to um, be persecuted for their faith. He said, you don't have to worry. You don't have to prepare your whole speech because when you get there, I'll give you. I'll give you a speech. I'll tell you what to say. Um, but it's those little things that makes you start realizing, I have the Holy Spirit living inside me. He just told me something. And I didn't come up with that on my own. That was him. He was speaking through God's word. And it's an exciting thing. Look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. So the spirit of your father. Luke chapter 11 
most common name for the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, he goes on to explain, and John gives it in much greater detail that when, the, when they, when, after he ascended back to the Father, they were to go meet, and God was going to give them the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. In some books, it's called, he's referred to as Holy Spirit. In others, Holy Ghost. It's the same in Greek. It just depended on which group of the translators of the King James were translating, whether it were the, um, I can't think of the name of either one of the two groups, but anyway, one of the groups called him the Holy Ghost and the other group called him the Holy Spirit. So depending on who was translating, depended on which one he got called, but it's exactly the same name. But we see this is the name indicating he's a gift the gift from the Father, the Holy Spirit. Notice, you can see something about his um, character there, just in that name, the Holy Spirit. He is holy, important characteristic attribute of the Spirit. Um, in John chapter 3, Jesus simply refers to him as the Spirit. John chapter 3, very important key verses here in understanding the Holy Spirit and his involvement in the new birth. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And now he gives a description of the Holy Spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. He gives a great description of the Holy Spirit here. Do you, can you see the wind itself? Can you see where it's coming from? Can you see where it's going? All you see of the wind is its effect. You look up at a tree and you see the leaves moving. There was, we had a candle on the mantle this week. No AC running in the living room. But all of a sudden, that candle, I noticed that it was going like this. Like there is no airflow in this room. And then I realized that the, I mean, it's a small area between our living room and the kitchen and little dining nook area there. And the window unit, the air was blowing. I couldn't feel it. But it was blowing enough in that room that that candle was flickering. That's how he describes the Holy Spirit. And notice he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. When I got saved, I didn't feel some weird thing inside of me. I didn't feel giddy. I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. But the evidence of the Holy Spirit was clear to my mom. I was six years old. And my mom told later that she saw a difference in my life. She said, my attitude was different. Why? There had been a change take place in my heart. I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. I couldn't tell right away. My mom could tell. Laura talks about when she got saved. When she got saved, what she talks about is not some giddy feeling or some great even peace that came over her at that moment. But what she noticed was the effect on her life, the fear, 
the anger. She mentioned it a couple months ago when she gave her testimony. The fear, the anger, the um, just um, intensity that was inside her before had changed. Now she had love. Now she had peace. That was just something different in her heart. The Holy Spirit, or as Jesus refers to him in this passage, the Spirit had made this difference. We can't see him. I mean, some people, oh man, they have this overwhelming joy. Some people, this overwhelming release, this overwhelming peace in their hearts. Um, but for some people, it's just nothing. It's just, I've, I, I just believe by faith. I know I'm saved. How do you know I'm saved? I don't know. I just know I'm saved. I know he saved me. And as we're going to see in just a minute, that is the confidence that the Holy Spirit gives. And so, whereas we aren't looking for some big, huge, weird manifestation to know that we have the Spirit of God, it's those little things. The fact that he produces love for somebody that we have trouble loving, that he produces kindness to someone that we just want to be mean to in our flesh, the fact that he will change our hearts, that he will change our attitudes, like the wind blowing, you don't see him, but he makes a clear evidence in our lives. John 14, Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. John 14, and Jesus gives the clearest um, teachings about the Holy Spirit of anywhere in the scriptures. But John 14, this is one of the passages of Jesus about the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because he seeth him not, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Do you ever get frustrated? I know Leah knows what I'm talking about here. Do you ever get frustrated at not understanding how people in our society cannot grasp basic concepts of freedom, constitutional government? It's so simple. I mean, look at communism's effect in the world. Look at countries where they have tried it. Look at countries that have tried socialism. It just doesn't work. So why is it that people can't accept that some of these things don't work? And no matter what you say, how you debate them, Charlie Kirk or any of these great debaters, no matter what they say, people just can't get it. They just cannot understand. Well, it's because they don't have the spirit of truth indwelling them. They're not capable. The lost world is not capable of understanding some truth. Now, a lost person can look and with good logic, just look and realize, okay, this is what happens in constitutional government. This is what happens in socialism. Hmm. Okay, I can what one plus one equals two. But we live in a society that's so brainwashed that one and one doesn't equal two anymore. And so, therefore, what is the problem? Well, we can go and debate till we're blue in the face. But the truth of it is, until people are saved and have the spirit of truth living inside of them, they're not going to be able to accept truth, at least full truth. But for the believer, we can have full truth. We can recognize it. Why? We have the Holy Spirit of the living God living within us, the spirit of truth. <clears throat> Look at chapter 15 and verse number 26. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall what? Testify of me, and ye shall also bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning." 
So the spirit of truth is going to enable us to be able to understand Jesus more, to be able to proclaim Jesus more. Chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. All truth. We need the Spirit of God in us, the Spirit of truth, so that we can understand truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You want to understand Bible prophecy better? You need the Spirit of truth. And this leads us to the other name that is coupled with this here in the Gospel of John. Back at chapter 14, before he talks about the Spirit of truth, I got this one out of order somehow too. But he says in verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. The Greek word is parakletos. Literally, um, now we might would say, we might would use the word helper or advocate. He is our helper. He comes along beside us, besides us and helps us. But he was sending us another comforter that he may abide with you forever. We have the forever indwelling of the, our helper, the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Um, he mentions this again in 26, uh, sorry, 6, 15 and 26. 15 and 26, um, we just read that one, the comforter when he's come, and then he calls him the spirit of, the, of truth, the comforter, the helper. Um, he is going to be helping us, verse 27, bear witness. He's going to help us witness to others. And then um, let's keep moving. He is our helper. Number 14, Romans chapter 1, spirit of holiness. Spirit of holiness, Romans chapter 1 and verse 4. And declared to be the Son of God with power, Jesus Christ, he was declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. So what was it that declared him to be the Son of God? He came in the flesh, he says in the verse before, as of the seed of David. But he was declared to be the Son of God with power, of course, this was according to the spirit of holiness. In other words, this is something the Holy Spirit worked with him in by the resurrection from the dead. So Jesus proved that he was the son of God with power when he raised himself from the dead. Yes, but he didn't do it alone. The Holy Spirit confirmed him that he was the son of God. And what? The resurrection. We see, isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit was involved in creation. We've seen that today. Luke chapter 1 and 2, we see the Holy Spirit was involved in the birth of Christ and his conception. We see that here, he says that um, he was involved with his resurrection from the dead. You think the Holy Spirit was involved and important in the ministry of Christ? Absolutely, he was. The spirit of life, Romans chapter 8, he gives um, three different titles to the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8. As he is talking about victory, as he's talking about freedom um, in Christ here, we have 
the spirit of life. Look here in verse number, start in verse number one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk after, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life. Are you struggling with sin in your life? If you're struggling with sin, you need the spirit of life working in you right now. I think I've shared this before, but there were certain habitual sins in my life that I never had freedom over, victory over, until I started realizing I had to quit focusing on fighting that sin and let the power of Christ just start living through me. How? By focusing on the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And if I just focus on walking in the Spirit, isn't that what he talked about in verse 1? If I just focus on walking in the Spirit on a daily basis, well, all of a sudden, I become distracted from the sin. I can go days forgetting about the sin. There are days I have to fight that battle. But there are so many days of freedom. And what I say mean by freedom is not even having to think or struggle or pray about that sin. Why? It's not a battle anymore. Because if I'm just walking in the Spirit, the moment I quit walking in the Spirit, though, struggle immediately follows. He said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law <clears throat> could not do, in that it was weak to the flesh, sending God, sorry, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful men and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. <clears throat> and he goes on about walking after the spirit. Uh, let's look at the next one. Let's go on down to verse number nine. <coughs> verse number nine. I have the wrong verse there. Uh, it's not 15. This one should be Romans 8, 9 through 11. He said, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ... He is none of his. So what does he use this title in relationship to? In the fact that we are saved. We are in Jesus Christ. And if we don't have his spirit, the spirit of Christ living in us, we don't belong to him. We're none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of man that raised up, sorry, but if the spirit of him that raised up, here it is again, Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. What a powerful truth for us to capture, to understand the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. The spirit of life, the spirit of Christ, he lives in us. And that's how we have power to walk in newness of life. So if you're struggling with sin and you say, I just cannot overcome this sin. Well, if Jesus could rise from the dead, you can have power, victory, and walk in newness of life. You can have victory over your sin. What a powerful, powerful truth. Um, Therefore, brethren, verse 12, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
And now he takes us to another name of the Spirit, the Spirit of adoption. For ye have not received the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Why can we say, Dear Heavenly Father? Why can we say, Dear Heavenly Daddy, which literally Abba, Father is Daddy? Why can we pray to him as our daddy? Because we have the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts, adopted us into the family. The spirit itself, and what does that produce? That's going to produce confidence, assurance. Verse 16, the spirit itself bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also may be also glorified together. So how are we going to have confidence? How is it that a person can just say, I know I'm saved? I don't have any weird feeling inside. I don't have anything bubbly. I just know I'm saved. That's the spirit of God, the spirit of adoption, speaking to our spirit, telling us you're a child of God. And we can claim the promises of God. We can have that confidence because we have the spirit of life. We can have victory over sin because we have the spirit of life. We can have victory over sin um, because we have the spirit of Christ. We can have victory over sin and we can have hope and confidence and a great confident prayer life with God the Father. We can just know him as daddy because we have the spirit of adoption. Now, am I talking about a bunch of different people here? No, I'm talking about one person the Holy Spirit of the living God. But it's just like all of us, we have different names. Um, My parents, when I was born, named me Aaron. My brother, when he was born, um, he had a speech impediment for a number of years, had to go through um, therapy. Um, I was the only one for a long time that could understand anything he said because we played together all the time. Even my parents got to where they couldn't understand him. And so I had to be with him to translate even my parents, but he couldn't say my name, so he called me AA. AA. So for a long time, I was AA. That always puzzled my parents how he knew that the first two letters of my name were AA. But um, he called me AA, then I got married, my wife calls me honey, and all kinds of things. I think she should have some mean ones sometimes, but anyway, um, because of me, not her. Um, my wife calls me honey. My parents call me son. My children call me dad. They used to call me daddy, and now they've all gotten cool, and they call me dad, even Matthew. Um, but we all have different names depending on the context of where we are, and depending on the context of what the Holy Spirit is working and doing, we can call him by a different name. Let's go for another one. The Spirit of the living God, Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, uh, the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. The Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. The Spirit of the living God. I think that's probably one of the most poetic names, titles of the Spirit. The Spirit of faith. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, I wrote up here chapter 4, but it's actually chapter, sorry, I wrote chapter 7 there. It's actually chapter 4 and verse 13. 
we having the same spirit of, what is it? Spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus. So you think the Holy Spirit was involved in the resurrection? Three times we've seen it mentioned, three different passages. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. We have a hope one day because we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the same one who raised up Jesus will one day raise us back up. What an awesome, awesome thing. The spirit of faith. The spirit of God's son, Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Galatians 4 and verse 6. <clears throat> and because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we have his, him present for our prayers. He, we have his assistance with our prayers. Um, sometimes I just don't know what to pray. Lord, do you know what needs to be said? Spirit of the Son, I'm going to let you talk right now, and I'm just going to say, Abba, Father. Um, Jesus knows how to make intercession for us. We have his spirit, the spirit of his Son, dwelling in us. What an awesome privilege. We have the Holy Spirit of promise, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted talking about Christ, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, <clears throat> after you heard the gospel, after you believed in Christ, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of your inheritance, of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. How do I know that I have hope for the future? How do I know I'm going to see Jesus face to face one day? Because I have the spirit of promise who sealed me. So if you struggle with your salvation, Lord, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I just don't know. I, and you're struggling. Maybe you're struggling with your own insecurities. You're struggling with sin in your own life. I mean, I remember a time when I began to have great doubts about my salvation. Now I can look back and know it was all about the sin in my life. Because I would read 1 John and think there's no way that a Christian could even think the thoughts I'm thinking or have the temptations I'm having. So because these thoughts have entered my mind, I can't be saved. I need to get saved again or actually saved this time because I must not be saved. Um, so I would struggle with that. And all of that had nothing to do with Jesus or what he had done. It was all about me and how I was feeling at the time, and what I as a 13-year-old boy was struggling with in my life, and what was going on in my mind, things changing inside of me, and I didn't understand it, and it scared me, and I didn't think I could be saved. Well, there are days where we have to remember, okay, I don't feel like it. I heard a friend preach the other day, and he said, there are days where I don't feel saved, but I know I am because God said I am, and those are the days we have to remember, okay, thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit of promise. I have the Holy Spirit of promise living in me, and that's why I know that I belong to God, because his spirit lives in me, even though I feel too bad today to even have his spirit living in me. I'm thankful that he does. 
because it's his promise. It's not based on me. It's not based on my decisions. It's based on his promise. Verse 17 of chapter 1. Have I put it up yet? No. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Anybody else see what I just saw? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the Spirit. And it's not always capitalized in our Bibles because in the Greek language, there were no capital letters in biblical Greek. And so the translators would look at these sometimes and go, wait, is this the name of the Holy Spirit or is it not? Well, I think it's the name of the Holy Spirit. And um, a lot of translators would choose to leave a lowercase in English because it was that way in Greek. Um, but here we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, all in this passage, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's keep going. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. Then Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9 and verse 14. How much more then shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, we've already established the Holy Spirit had a part in the birth, the conception of Christ. He had a part in the resurrection of Christ, but we see here he had a part in the spiritual thing that happened on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, what did the Holy Spirit assist him in doing? Who through the eternal spirit offered himself. When Jesus Christ offered himself as our sin offering, he did it with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. And what name does the author of Hebrews use? The eternal spirit. Why? Because what was Jesus providing? He was providing eternal life. And so what name, title does he give the Holy Spirit? The eternal spirit, meaning the spirit. There was never a time where all of a sudden God said, okay, now let's make a spirit. And now we're going to create the Holy Spirit and we're going to send him forth and he's going to do all of these things. No, the author of Hebrews says, oh no, he's the eternal spirit. He was present at creation. Yes, we've established that. But he was, he was present at the cross. We have eternal redemption because we have an eternal Savior and the eternal Spirit. What an awesome, awesome truth. Name number 25. We're almost through. The Spirit of, well, I guess we're through. The Spirit of, where are we here? Come on. Spirit of God's Son, the Holy Spirit of promise, the Spirit of love. Okay, the eternal spirit, here we go, the spirit of grace, <clears throat> the spirit of grace, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 29, 10 and verse 29, or how much sore punishment suppose ye shall ye, 
shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant um, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace. When a person rejects, as we've already established, Jesus Christ, they also respect, res, reject the Spirit of God. And then the final one here, and this is an exciting one for us, when you're having a bad day, when things on this earth are not going as planned, we have a great hope. First Peter chapter 4, Peter is writing to Christians who are about to be persecuted in Rome under the persecution of Nero. And as he, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is preparing them for this persecution, for living a really bad life. They're not going to have their best life today. These Christians have a bad life ahead of them. Um, in fact, Peter's going to be killed. John Mark uh, is probably about to be executed shortly thereafter as well. So leaders in the church, assistants to the leaders are about to be killed. It's not going to be good. And he says, oh, let's go back up to verse 12. Behold, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So he's talking about the future when we get to be around the throne of the Lamb. He says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. So when things are going really bad and others are mocking you, others are persecuting you, you are having the worst time in your life, remember you have the spirit of glory. And because of that, God's going to be glorified through the bad stuff. When the persecution's there, when things are heavy, when things are not going well, you have the spirit of glory. And so he will get praise. He will get glory. Sometimes we struggle. How on earth can God get glory out of this difficulty in my life? We can quit worrying about that. Just surrender to the Lord. Rejoice when we're suffering. And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of glory and of God, will be able to turn around our situation for God to receive glory. So I hope that in your mind you have one of those Hello, My Name is stickers. And maybe one of these passages, you just never notice the Holy Spirit's presence there. And you can write that down, maybe go home, stick it on your mirror, stick it on the fridge, wherever you visit a lot, and um, have that constant reminder that we have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you've given us your word, and if we'll seek it, and if we'll search it out, we'll be able to come to know you better. Lord, I thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to reveal your Son, to give us confidence, to help us pray, Lord, to help us know you better. It's because of his indwelling that we can cry out to you as our Abba Father. And it's because of his presence in our lives we can have victory over sin. And you can be glorified in our difficult days as we rejoice in you, as we suffer with Christ. 
And the spirit of glory will take these difficult things and turn them around to your glory and your honor. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to live in the reality that our bodies belong to you and your spirit dwells in us. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to grow to understand that more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.